Welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast, Free Thinkers. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. So, our guest this week is Russian national Mira Tarada. Mira is the official representative of the Foundation to Battle Injustice, an international human rights activist. She's also a writer, a publicist, and a philanthropist. In 2018, Mira was arrested and spent 888 days in custody in 11 different U.S. prisons. She experienced physical and psychological pressure, torture, and bullying on a daily basis while imprisoned, and she was only finally released in May of 2021. Mira is also the author of two biographical books, Hostage of the Country of Freedom, 888 Days in an American Prison, and Freedom of Thought, How to Survive Under Pressure, but has focused her full-time efforts on human rights violations, legal and financial assistance for judicial injustice, and supporting those who have suffered police brutality or political persecution. Hi, Mira. Thank you for uh, coming on today. I know we, you and I have talked multiple times, but this is actually like the first time that I'll be asking the questions. <laughs> um, the last time we talked, it was uh, it was about the injustices in American legal system and and the military complex in general. But like, man, that was uh, that almost seems like child's play compared to what's been going on the last year. You know, on a global scale, like we're on the brink of potential nuclear war, monetary collapse, and what seems like some potentially very dark times ahead. But uh, before we get into all that, you know, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, your organization, the the Foundation to Battle Injustice, and actually how you became a victim of this broken American legal system and quite literally lost your freedom for, for several years in this country. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me over. It's such a pleasure. And uh, my name is Mira Terda as you heard, and I'm the head of the Foundation to Battle Injustice. Uh, but uh, I will give you a little introduction. I used to live in the United States. Uh, I lived in the US uh, eight years, and um, I loved it. I felt like it's my second home. I had friends, I had uh, family, I was married there. And uh, one day in 2018, um, I was arrested in Europe. I already moved back to Russia and was arrested in Europe. Uh, and my arrest happened based on the U.S. warrant. I was extradited to the U.S. and I was prosecuted. I didn't get a chance uh, to get a fair trial. And uh, unfortunately, I had to sign uh, a plea. And I got uh, three years, uh, 2.5 years actually, in... Um, federal prison in Alisville in uh, Alabama state. Uh, 
And even after my time uh, was up, I served my sentence. I still was not released. Uh, there was different reasons why, uh, the, for some reason, uh, authorities uh, would not let me go, saying that they don't have my passports and I can't return home. Or then they decided that I've got COVID and things like that. So I stayed, stayed another four months in different jails and uh, detention centers. And finally, I got back home in 2021, in May, end of May, and I was offered uh, to head uh, the Foundation to Battle Injustice, and I agreed. It's a nonprofit organization, and uh, we work worldwide to address human rights violations, uh, support civil activists, we provide legal assistance and financial support to victims of judicial injustice, police brutality, political persecution, uh, as you may see, uh, it happens a lot right now with the Kiev regime and so on. Uh, we've been working with the so-called kill list. Uh, we're trying to shut it down because uh, we found out that there are 327 minors uh, on that kill list whose data is public, which is uh, absolute danger. Uh, to those children because you it's basically like a pedophile menu you open it and you see their pictures their home address their social networks it's just uh, crazy and uh, nobody uh, allowed uh, though that organization that website to publish that information and uh, just two days ago we had a, a conference women's press conference that's uh that was dedicated to um actually uh harassment uh from the political and military leaders against women and what to do with this so if you have any questions you can ask and i will tell you more details about it yeah so um last week or that was actually this week right your the 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 acronym for your foundation to battle injustice is unironically fbi so i always want to yeah. say that when i see it but uh no so like the the foundation to battle injustice they help to expose some of these uh pretty horrific things that that nato officials and military officers have been accused of doing or officers have been accused of doing um like was this was this a bunch of like the, the victims of these people and and how did they expose it and how did that how did you guys go about um like having a, a whole uh like meeting devoted to this uh well uh i knew uh tara reed who is the victim of joseph biden uh she, who uh raped her uh as she says he was not convicted yet of it but uh, that's what she says in 90s and uh, i mean uh, i think this story is uh pretty popular people some people know about it but unfortunately she is so censored in united states like i think her biggest in interview interview was with um, uh, sky news australia and uh that's about it but like not long ago she was on tucker carlson show and uh hopefully she will be sure that and you know uh the guilty will get punished because to me it seems like uh when somebody doesn't get punished for their small crime they feel like that's okay and then they go on and commit bigger crime so uh i believe tara you know it's my personal opinion i do believe her and i believe that this is what joe biden did to her and because he wasn't stopped back then we see what happened in iraq we see what's happening in ukraine right now and uh, it's just like a 
hungry monster that wants more and more. And then uh, in uh, in a conference, uh, we had Juanita Broderick, uh, who was uh, assaulted uh, by um, Bill Clinton in 70s. And she uh, held that as a secret for over 30 years. And she exposed this information in 2016. And uh, Juanita was threatened by Hillary Clinton back then that uh, she can't talk about it. But then in 2016, when uh, Hillary Clinton said that all the victims of sexual uh, harassment and assaults uh, should come out, Juanita did that. She made a post on Twitter and she came out. And then we had Michela Marlata. Uh, she is Italian writer and uh, uh, she was um, harassed uh, by American uh, general uh, in Italy, uh, in the city, they have uh, army base, US army base. And uh, Michaela, she is married uh, to a military guy who serves at that base. And uh, one day, uh, the general just started uh, harassing her and uh, Michaela told him no. And after that, he turned her life into hell. He keeps her out of the base. She hardly can see her children. Her children go to school on that base. So she's not even allowed to go there uh, and see her children. She's only allowed to go when they have some type of uh, concerts, you know? And uh, wow. the problem is that uh, what we see all these women, and uh, it's not only the uh, female problem, I think, because the harassment happens also to, uh, from women toward men. It's just like at this specific conference, we didn't have men victims, but actually it happens to any gender. But in this case, what seems bizarre is that when uh, victim gets censored uh victim's career is ruined like tara she was at the senate and uh, she was a senate aide and she could have a great political career but uh joe biden told her that she is nothing and he made her life uh, almost nothing if she wouldn't be enough strong to get up but i mean like he he stopped her political career and this is wrong when uh uh, when the aggressor gets away with his crime and he uh, he can continue working and he gets elected and re-elected, but the victim suffers the most, they get censored, uh, their career is uh, canceled and so on. You know, some of them, they just uh, commit suicide, some of them break down really hard. And uh, it shouldn't be that way either because who has to be canceled is the one who committed the crime. Yeah, exactly. And there's, I mean, there's no shortage of video of Biden actually sexually assaulting children, you know, like on live TV. So yeah, I uh, saw on your website, Mira, that you spoke about how this issue is still relevant in many countries. And I was actually floored to read that, uh, according to US Defense Department documents, uh, in 2022, reports of sexual harassment in the army increased by 25.6%. Yes. That, that's insane. I don't think I've heard that statistic before. And it appears that the military has kind of alternative agendas right now when it comes to like the inclusion and acceptance of trans officers. Exactly. I think you just kind of uh, referred to it, but the Me Too movement wasn't that long ago. And it really was a prominent movement that garnered a lot of support from the media, from uh, various politicians. So it is surprising to me that I hadn't even heard that statistic and there really hasn't been any focus 
uh, placed on on that you know heinous crime, which is obviously still going on. But how did the the conference go? Like, did you get much feedback or response afterward? Has anybody reached out to you? Is there going to be maybe a, another conference that's similar in the future? This this is a good question because after that uh, we got uh, feedback and we got some women uh, telling me, especially in Russia, that was surprising uh, that women call uh, started calling me and telling me their stories, and uh, it's very interesting that for many women, uh, you know, they don't even. Um, realize that they uh, being harassed because they think it's just the way how men show their interest in in them you know and they don't realize that this is uh, disrespectful this is violates their boundaries and things like that so uh we're still getting feedback on it and um, as a resolution for this conference uh we agreed on uh creating uh a, a unity i would say um that would protect women worldwide uh, i will explain you uh, how that works for example in russia we also have the uh, this issue actually 65 percent of russian women was uh, sexually uh, harassed or assaulted uh, through their life and um, uh, we do have cases where uh, the the guilty one doesn't get any punishment and unfortunately the victims get shut down, they lose their jobs and they get censored as well. And uh, we figured out that uh, it's uh, not that easy to defend yourself or stand up for your rights uh, or restore your rights in the same country. So I think it's a good option when, for example, case like this happens in Italy and uh, the woman, the man who suffered in Italy approach uh, us and tells us what happened and we stand up for that person. So that way it, uh, we will make uh, that person and the government of that country uh, as a shame, you know, because it is shameful when somebody worldwide is talking about what uh, this or that politician did in, in, in your country, you know, like there is no other issues, but talk about somebody who can control himself. And uh, that way the, uh, the victim, um, I would say, uh, she won't be facing all the consequences of standing up for her rights. Does it make sense? Oh, yeah, certainly. <clears throat> and I mean, that seems to be like the status quo is silence anybody who <laughs> you know, who challenges authority or, or calls uh, attention to any crimes and in authority, including sexual harassment and including claims of children. Right. Yeah. And um, we can shift gears a little bit with that. Like there was um, like speaking of children, uh, this one, this girl that you reached out to me last year and uh, the one who was exposing the crimes yeah. of Russia against the Dantesque uh, region and how they were shelling them. I, uh, yeah. I'm going to butcher her name. It's uh, Faina Savinkova. Yes, Faina Savinkova. Yeah, she's a 14-year-old child who was just writing about her experience right in Ukraine and, and how she was being oppressed by the Kiev government. And she was added to this kill list, like the, the Ukrainian kill list that like calls for her death mm -hmm. and celebrates when people on that list get, uh, you know, get er eradicated for, for journalism. Right. And now we, we've seen that the mm -hmm. uh, NBC mainstream journalist, this guy, Keir Simmons, went to Ukraine and just presented facts like saying that 
it's not very realistic realistic that Zelensky um, and Ukrainian forces could you know help to or could take Crimea from Russia, right? That's all he said, and he got added to that kill list too. Yeah, and and the the mainstream media here in America hasn't said a word about it. Like they got we have a a, a major big journalist, you know, who's added to a freaking kill list who we're funding. And and they're calling for you know for his death, and who also puts children on this list and calls for their deaths, and and here we are. The 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 media here is is silent. It's pretty damn crazy. So would you mind giving yes. us like an update back to uh, Faina, like on on how she's like moving forward? Was she ever uh, able to get like some mainstream media coverage here? Like I know we were trying to like help get her on Tucker Carlson. Uh, has that ever materialized or anything? We're still working on it. Uh, Faina's name was actually mentioned in Tucker's show, uh, which is a step forward, definitely. Faina doesn't stop. She opened her own show and uh, she streams it for United States. She has another show uh, that's uh, streamed around Europe, uh, mainly to friends. And uh, she's developing, she's continuing her fight. Uh, she's not putting her arms down. Uh, she's trying to uh, get her message to, um, oh gosh, I forgot his name, Roger Waters. There it goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's trying to pass him a message because he's also on uh, on the kill list. And uh, we uh, thought that it would be uh, like, I mean, we tried everything. We wrote to the UN, we wrote to the Children's UN Foundation, um, uh unicef uh asking them to do something about it they did nothing but condemn then we wrote to the cloud fair the uh, host and provider of miratvoritz telling them hey guys look what you're doing this is a, a criminal website 12 journalists for example were already murdered they got children's personal data please shut it down please stop providing them sur uh, service no response so we were hoping that maybe if uh somebody very important like roger waters or oliver stone uh would write a letter personal letter to cloud fair maybe cloud fair will will uh will be concerned about coming lawsuit or something and we'll hear somebody that has a name so maybe one day that would work but to me it really seems that uh there, the, the, apparently, there is really uh, somebody's government standing behind that website. I mean, it, there is no way if it's just uh, a simple human being's crazy idea to to do this that it just like American government will allow it exist. You know, as I know uh, on my per on my personal experience how American government works. Usually, at least back then. Uh, U.S. used to care about its citizens. I see what's happening now that U.S. Uh, government cares more about what's happening outside of its country. But I hope somebody will have a clear, sober mind to see that your own citizens' personal data is located on that website. It's time to do something about it and show that you really care. That, that's a great point. And for our maybe some of our, our younger audience, listeners uh roger waters is the the founder and musician behind pink floyd and he's been incredibly active uh in the anti-war movement in fact the rage against the war machine protest that i went to in washington dc he was 
essentially the headliner at the very end. They played a video of his message, uh, you know, denouncing the whole uh, Russia-Ukraine war. And he's also spoken out about uh, Julian Assange numerous times over the years during concert, concerts and performances. Um, so he's certainly an ally in our corner. On an interview you did in uh, late December of last year with Tara Reid, you, you mentioned that one of the people on the Ukraine kill list is actually a nine-year-old girl uh, who was placed on it for participating in the annual Victory Day Parade, uh, which is like the celebration that happens annually uh, in May 9th in Moscow. And apparently you're on this kill list too. Can you talk about the nine-year-old and yes. maybe some of the other yes. teens who are on this kill list? Also, like, how seriously do you take being on this kill list? Like, has it affected your work or travel at all? Yes. Uh, well, uh, when we uh, were searching for uh, any other children on the kill list, like what happened, uh, Faina uh, wrote me on social network, Faina Selenkova. She, uh, she wrote me because she also writes books. She has several books published. Her books published also in Canada and France. Like she publishes her books world worldwide. She writes uh, war fairy tales. And... Uh, wrote me as to her colleague writer because I also wrote a couple of books and we started talking about uh, book writing and then she told me you know I'm on kill list and I was in shock because I heard of Miratvoritz before about kill list before and uh, uh, I asked my colleagues to go ahead and check if there are any other miners on it and when they came, got back to me they said that they found 327 children and uh, so they, they looked to what countries those children are from. They looked how many girls, how many boys, and what they are accused of. And we found out that the youngest girl is nine years old, and, the, and she got on kill list for participating in the Victory Day uh, parade. And then uh, majority of those children uh, end up on kill list because they went on vacation to Crimea with their parents. So... Uh, which what what makes me feel more insane it's like how sick you gotta be to go to social networks and look for somebody's pictures from crimea you know and then like post their personal data on website it's like it's it's just sick it, it how like it just makes me feel so sick that somebody can just like you know go and search for you if you had a vacation in crimea Go look through your picture and your swimming suit, how you having fun with your family, with your husband, with your child, and then post personal data of your child. This is really sick. And uh, then when uh, I joined Faina in her fight against the skill list, uh, we had a press conference uh, in Moscow uh, about it. And two hours after press conference, my name ended up on kill list as well. Uh, of course, uh, I feel more alert now uh, and I do care about my safety more than before, but I think it's not uh, only the kill list what uh, did it to me, but the fact that um, my friend Daria Dugina, uh, who went in April to Donbass, uh, she went to Azovstal, uh two uh months later a uh, few months later not two months she went in april and then she was uh, killed in august and that made me really concerned because um wow. we found out uh, uh that her car was exploded 
one of the first ones. And I asked my colleagues to check information on her page on Miratvoritz on kill list. And they told me that her uh, picture is crossed and it says uh, liquidated on it. And I was surprised. How did they know about it so quickly? Like, how did they find out about it? It was not on uh, media yet, you know, and they already had her picture crossed and marked her as liquidated. And that made me feel that they do have uh, some sort of connection to what happened. Uh, somehow they got informed about it fast enough to put that mark on her, uh, on, on a page where her personal data was at. And of wow. course, that made me more concerned. And uh, of course, I don't feel comfortable that there is some information. But I mean, in my case, uh, there is not, not much personal on it, I would say. <laughs> so <laughs> my safety, yes, it, it makes me worried. But what's posted on it doesn't worry me at all. Well, good. I, that is absolutely mind-blowing that mm -hmm. there are 320 children on this website and this website celebrates and calls for their execution for challenging whatever status quo message that is trying to purvey the pro-Ukrainian uh, Kiev regime message. And absolutely no one says anything about that in the mainstream media here right. in, in the United States. You know, like that, I, I find that incredible, especially the ones that can, you know, they, they, ostensibly care about the freedom of press and journalism you know we don't have anybody not even like the the the, the alternative aclu like the barry weiss you know how she has this um this new free press uh operation that that is supposed to care about stuff like this and no one's talking about this kill list except for for alternative media journalists and i mean elon musk was put on it a few months ago right and he actually tweeted out his picture on it, or and and um, if I'm not mistaken, right? That that did happen, right? <laughs> Elon Eva, Musk was Eva Bartlett yeah. posted it, but then he his uh, profile was removed so fast, and uh, he asked yeah. for the link, and when she went to look for that link, it was it, it was gone already. So unfortunately, uh, he didn't get that proof. But I think if like they realized what they've done, like if they will keep his yeah. personal data, their website definitely will be shut down <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's hosted on cloudflare which is unbelievable cloudflare pulled alex jones access right yeah. they they canceled uh alex jones account for uh cloudflare is like a backup uh proxy server that helps you uh stave off um like ddos attacks and, and any kind of attacks on your website by hosting it through a proxy server and then delivering the content that way and Alex Jones had that for Infowars and they canceled him because of, you know, allegedly he was saying all this wild stuff. But somehow this website that celebrates the liquidation of journalists for questioning the 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 establishment regime in Ukraine is allowed to stay on on Cloudflare. And, you know, obviously we're against censorship of any kind, but this is calling for this is this is more this isn't freedom of press this is direct threats to personal safety you know like that anybody who speaks out against them they want them dead and then they 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 say liquidated on their on their website when that happens and it's utterly mind-blowing that that hasn't been pulled off or or shut down or anything like that you know like it's just we're in a bubble over here 
in the United States when it comes to media and and what's actually happening in the Ukraine. It's unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we have like you know we have RT and and we get some semblance of how Russia kind of reports the the you know what's going on over there. But can you provide a little insight on how the media in Russia is portraying this this conflict in Ukraine? And how it may differ from, well, I mean, obviously it's going to differ vastly from what we're seeing over here in Western media. But can you can you give us a little insight into that? I'm not really uh, into the conflict because it doesn't have much to do with uh, my activities. Uh, the yeah. only thing uh, that I could tell about journalists, if you remember, like in January, uh, I asked you a question if there is any NGO that supports uh, journalists, that supports freedom of speech, that supports safety of journalists. Um, in January, and, and you remember I invited you. I couldn't actually, find so it. That, yeah, <laughs> that's one thing. But also, like you were invited to that conference uh, for for the journalists, right? And they all had the same issue. Like if they are uh, talking about this conflict and they saying something opposite from the Kiev regime, that's it. They pronounced as uh, as an enemy. Now, some of those journalists can go back to their country, and they they were all foreigners. That's the key point. There was no Russian journalist. They were all foreigners. Some of them can go back to their own country because they're afraid that they will be persecuted. So some of their uh, bank accounts were shut down so they can get donations, you know, to do their independent work as independent journalists. So some, some of them, they were actually... Uh, brutally attacked like adrian Boquet, the french journalist was attacked in turkey uh, and uh, somebody tried to kill him like he was cut with the knife he was in a hospital and all of it now he um uh, he's getting Russian citizenship because uh, he's scared for his life and all what he did he uh, he was in butcher uh at that time when uh, the butcher all set up was made you know when they made it look like russians did something but actually they they set it up everything was fake so adrian Boquet was in a city in a town at that moment and he saw what happened so he exposed the truth and after that he became a, a, an enemy and they started chasing after him he had to leave the country to prolong his visa and he was attacked and uh, he, he was almost murdered and uh, there are so many journalists who are uh, bringing this news out you know they're bringing the truth out it's it has to be two sides no matter what people have to see two sides the journalist's job is just to talk about the facts without giving the pressure uh, on uh, people's opinion you know if you're a journalist in uh, if you're independent honest journalist that has journalist code the journalist morals and so on you got to tell only the facts and let your audience to choose uh what, what like what side of the conflict they are on or what uh, what they believe in or what not but like all what they do they're telling the truth and it seems like we're living in a cave times if you remember like a couple of centuries ago when uh the person who delivers news to the king comes with the bad news king decides to kill the news bringer it seems like that right now because like okay if Kiev regime doesn't like the news the journalist brings let's chuck him on pieces in turkey or let's put him on kill list or let's put a bomb in your car you know and blow her up it's just ridiculous that like i feel it's a society degradation i feel that 
society is going just downhill. Uh, nobody has a clear head no more because uh, the, another problem is for so many years people been spoiled uh, to the point uh, that they believe everything what they hear and they are so lazy to just make three clicks with their computer mouse you know to find out the truth all what it takes is not take like you know the whole information as it's given but make a little research on it and then you will figure out if it's truth or if it's not truth. Like last week, they posted some pictures on CNN. There is a winter time. There's snow everywhere in Donbass right now. But they, they post picture with green leaves. How can it be truth? I mean, just like uh, use a little bit of critical mind before you take it. You already see that CNN, BBC, it's a big propaganda machine, you know. So at least like, and they, they make this fake news so quickly that they don't even have time to uh, look at, the, uh, at this little details like tree leaves or, or maybe they just already so much disrespect their audience that they think the audience is enough stupid to, to, to take whatever, whatever they give them or maybe they're doing it on purpose just to show like look at this we can get away even with this I don't know what it is but I think it's already something personal to every individual, every human being uh, has to be careful because nowadays information became as a weapon, as a strong weapon that, uh, that really can kill. Yeah, I was going to say these all seem like signs of desperation from the global ruling class elite, you know, and it feels like because the internet has become uh, this place where we can, for the most part, exchange information freely. Obviously, there's censorship involved. Uh, the, the global information war has escalated and has changed dynamics. And so now it's like they can't just control people by putting out, you know, certain uh, tidbits of information. Now they're having to, to go to the extremes, to actually stop people from talking altogether. But um, <clears throat> taking a step back to Cloudfare, I, I did a little research and uh, it, it was humorous to me to find out that their company motto and mission statement is, we are the global network designed to make everything you connect to the internet secure, private, fast, and reliable. So, um, you know, they're obviously betraying their own mission statement by allowing this kill list to continue to remain up on their site. And I know that you mentioned um, during the Tara Reid interview that you guys were possibly uh, seeking a celebrity endorsement to direct action at Cloudfare. Has there currently been any updates as far as like a strategy on to how to apply pressure to have Cloudfare remove the site and this kill list? Well, I guess the only pressure can be applied uh, from people like Oliver Stone and Roger Waters. So we are working on it right now. Uh, and hopefully those people would agree and will agree to write the letters to Cloudflare because I know that Cloudflare was involved not long ago, like several months ago in another uh, drama with uh, the website that used to post um, personal data of transgenders. It was similar to Kill List, but only the, uh, the only difference it was uh, it was transgen transgenders information posted. And... Uh, uh, somebody, of course, asked uh, Cloudflare to shut down that website, and they did it. So I guess, wow. uh, yeah. So and this is this seems so discriminative to me, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So how is it? How how come you know like other people are worse than uh, transgenders? You know how that website is better 
then uh, Hockey List is better than the other website, then you either, you know, you either shut them all down or you either allow them all to exist. The, but the only problem, like existence of these websites violates not only national laws, but international laws. And by the way, going back to the uh, rage against the war machine, uh, I heard you, Jason, went uh, to DC. Um, I don't know, maybe you saw on a uh, Twitter account of uh, the rage against the war machine, um, the video. Me and Faina, we recorded the video uh, for this event and um, uh, the uh, people who arranged uh, the rage, uh, the, the march itself, they posted our video on their Twitter account. Oh, nice. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, it, it was a, a powerful turnout. Many awesome speakers. Um, we, we talked to Daniel McAdams in our last podcast and kind of uh, it was a bit of an underwhelming uh, amount of supporters and uh, protesters that showed up. But otherwise, like I, I feel like the event went very well. And uh, I, I must have missed that Twitter post, unfortunately. So uh, you were actually at the uh, at the Rage Against the War Machine rally? Who, me? No, Here? no. Uh, we yeah. recorded the video. So the, uh, the organizers, they posted the video on the Twitter account. They put us like as a warm up before event. <laughs> But you see, oh, what's okay. funny, like uh, during uh, during this uh, during this uh, preparation to this event, uh, the plan was changing so many times. Like at first, uh, they were not thinking that they will have some other participants via Zoom. So, like, uh, if I knew in advance that it would be possible, like Helga Larouche, uh, uh, for example, she was via Zoom, I probably would do the same thing. But uh, at first, there was no such plan like this. So we agreed that me and Faina we will record the video. And uh, Faina is a child of war, you know, the child of Donbass. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm Faina's godmother now. So it's not only like uh, I'm helping her uh, to fight uh, this not easy battle, uh, but uh, also she's a part of my family now. And uh, so we recorded. Oh, wow. We recorded this video and, uh, you know, things, uh, plans changed and they posted it on Twitter. And we are really actually grateful that it's been done because it's important. Our message was heard by so many people. And uh, it was also funny, like I was thinking about it, you know, after my case in the United States, I'm not uh, allowed to go back to, to the States. And uh, I, for a long time, I lived in Washington, D.C., and I love that city. It was one of my favorite cities in the whole entire world. And I traveled a, a lot. And uh, it was an uh, interesting feeling, you know, to uh, it could be interesting feeling uh, to be back to D.C. even via Zoom. Uh, like it shows me that there is nothing impossible in this world, you know, like all the borders can be just erased thanks to the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're like near near Moscow right yeah. now, right? Yeah, our um, our old editor uh, and writer, uh, Rachel Blevins, she actually left D.C. to go to Moscow as well. And she currently works for RT over nice. there. <clears throat> Do you know who, do you know Rachel? No, we never met yet. Oh, okay. Well, you know who she is, I though? think you told me uh, before that. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. though. Yeah. She has to be on that kill list, I, I would imagine. 
thousands, thousands of yeah. people are on that uh, kill list. And it's just crazy that it exists already ninth year, you know, like over eight years and nothing been done to it. And nobody really like and they also play smart you know because they would put ukrainian people on there just because one day uh one of the ukrainian leaders would say something that doesn't go with the zelensky agenda for example you know they would put him on the list and then they would remove him from the list <laughs> so well zelensky didn't go with the zelensky agenda at first right he didn't he wanted to abide by the minsk accords and everything and then he was basically threatened by the the, the neo-Nazi yes, regime yes. there and Azov battalion and yes. yeah, so it's 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 insane. And this this kill list goes back way before this uh, the Russian invasion, mm -hmm. and and Faina was on it well before that, right? Just because she didn't want yeah. the Donbass to be. It bombed. was way before because right, Faina yeah. uh, made the video to the UN uh, to the uh, she addressed her video to Antonio Guterres. And uh, she told him only that, please uh, uh, help uh, help us help Donbas people to stop this shelling from coming from Ukraine. Uh, children deserve on the peaceful sky above their heads. That's all what she said. <laughs> and right after that, mm -hmm. she ended up on that kill list. There's nothing wrong that the child uh, who was five when the shelling started. She was five years old, you know. She says, like, I want to see that the plane is flying in the sky because it's a non-flight zone. So she doesn't even, like, when she comes to Moscow and she sees the pl a plane is flying, it makes her feel so happy. You know, my heart just breaks when I see her like that. Oh, yeah, it is that. Like, you would think that uh, the children of Donbass, like, they develop like other children. No, they're different. They are much more uh, developed than other children, even though they don't get those, uh, maybe maybe because they don't get to socialize so much in school and stuff. A lot of them, they, go, uh, they do the homeschooling. Some of them do online schools. So it's just like they like you talk to them you talk to children of donbass and it seems like you're talking to a, an adult that's stuck in a child body yeah well they've been ignored for the last uh decade yeah. down there as you know as the kiev regime was shelling yeah. them and ten thousand people died including women and children over there innocent civilians over that time period and the U.S. had that been in a Middle Eastern country, the U.S. would have invaded and claimed, you know, we need to we need to go in and we need to stop this. But here we are because it was politi politically strategic that they they just silent yeah. on it. I mean, pieces every now and again from New York Times and Washington Post talking about the Azov regime and their neo-Nazi ties and how they would, uh, you know, how they've been bombing Donbass. But as soon as the as soon as come February of last year of 2022, you know, that all changed. And so did their narrative and everything. I mean, the entire narrative shifted from, yeah, the Azov Battalion are Nazis to the Azov Battalion are our friends. We need to give them weapons and go in there. You know, everybody and, and is you talking in that, Russia right now about that woman from uh, neo-Nazis that was awarded in the United States. Who's that? You gotta yeah. check that because I just saw it today or yesterday. I couldn't believe my own eyes. And you see how in oh the Hungarian is she Hungarian was or she, Ukrainian? They said that the neo-Nazi oh. lady from Ukraine was getting an award in the United oh. States. 
we'll get to look it up yeah. but uh, how it, the narrative is very important you see like people in donbas they use the war uh, the word war only for the reason that they've been shelled over eight years and they couldn't answer back really because they were they were not strong enough now uh like russia never used this word because we say special military operation uh the collective west as we say now uh use the term war as well to make russia uh look uh, lower in the way of their uh military strategy but they they don't realize that russia is uh not uh you know, the Russia is not doing the war right now. The Russia is really doing the special military operation when they're trying to uh, to save as many people as possible. They're trying not to harm uh, regular people. Then they're trying to save infrastructure as much as it's possible. Because if that was the war from Russian side, there will be destruction on the way, you know, there would be nothing. And the, the time frame of the special military operation would be way shorter. But of course, uh, this and, and this, this is why we even have different narrative here in Russia and you guys in US and people in Donbas, mm -hmm. everybody has its own what they used to or what they want to hear, uh, what would benefit them or or not <laughs> so it's another tricky thing that information is doing uh, to people now and it's so difficult like you work in this information field i work with a lot of information uh, but regular people uh they they don't go so deep into what's happening and how all the news are uh, created and things like that all what they do is they, they just read the newspaper or news while they have in their morning morning coffee and then they go to work you know and maybe on the way back they can read a little or hear a little bit news on the radio and they they don't have time or intention to go and make that three computer mouse clicks as i told at the beginning of our recording uh to mm -hmm. find out the truth just because they like they don't have to they don't have time to do this you know and this this is why right now this is so dangerous because people not used to it people don't have time so they believe everything what's said and i think it's a very very uh good psychological work as well from uh, all these centers of disinformation certainly there's a psychological war going on at the same time yeah. and and it, it's amazing like if you just bring up factual history which has been reported in washington post and new york times and and everywhere else over the last 10 years if you bring that up now you're a putin puppet and you know you want you support russia and and all that that's that's how it is over here you know that's and they've convinced a large portion of society to be able to to go along with that narrative and and dismiss any relevant information that that's factual and to to instantly just to, to dismiss it and and their brains just turn off and they're unable to to comprehend any kind of challenging information to what they've been known they just put the the ukraine flags in their bio and you know to hell with the history of this war and and how nato encroachment has been you know increasing despite claims of you know uh despite claiming that they'll, they'll do the opposite and it's just 
it's a big mess, man. And I'm, I hope that people start waking up to this, you know, like yeah. that. You know, it's important what you, what you brought up because they put uh, labels on people making, uh, you know, they're creating new co collective individual uh, individuality. Did, did I say it right? Collective individuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're creating a new one. Like, for example, we had uh, we had uh, old old settings like, okay, I'm a woman and you're a man, you know, and here's the group of women and here's the group of men, for example. And uh, this is uh, like old setting of collective individuality. They decided to break it, right? And now we have all uh, different genders and so on because it's easy to control people, manipulate pe uh, people this way because it's like this famous saying, divide and become in power. You know, when people are all together, it's harder to control them and manipulate them. But in the case when we see the Russophobia, or for example, okay, you're pro-Kremlin, you're pro-Putin, they're trying to create new collective individuals right based on hater and this is a very dangerous weapon they don't try to create new i don't know uh new collective individuals based on something good they uh they create human beings that that have hater inside them not mercy uh, not mercy no love no friendship you know no uh, not no good standards but just hate and disaster well <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, you know, obviously we've touched on it pretty extensively already, but the way that the, the media frames this stuff, and I was even mentioning in our last podcast, I mean, it's prevalent anytime you look at U.S. media, like most of these mainstream outlets are framing this as Russia's war against Ukraine, you know, um, and that's literally the terminology that they use. So, uh, you know, it certainly poisons the well, to say the least. Now, I know we only have just maybe even four or five minutes left, <clears throat> but um, over here, there's kind of been a groundswell of, of people really trying to point towards the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which was blown up late last year. And just recently, actually, the New York Times cited uh, intelligence by the U.S. officials who um, basically said that it was a pro-Ukraine group who was responsible uh, likely made up of Ukrainians or Russians. And, um, you know, they're trying to point the finger, I, I suppose, away from uh, the U.S. But both Biden and Victoria Nuland, uh, who is the Undersecretary of the State for Political Affairs, both hinted last year that if there was a war in Ukraine, that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would no longer be a Nord Stream 2 pipeline, like it wouldn't exist anymore. Has there been any conversation or like, what have you heard as far as just chatter amongst your peers and colleagues as far as the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Like, is it pretty common sentiment from uh, Russia that the U.S. is involved or is there still some ambiguity there? I mean, yes, it's common. Uh, it's common. Uh, subject uh, from many people uh, and uh, based on exactly what Victoria Nuland and Joseph Biden said if they wouldn't say that it probably uh, would be different but then I don't believe that only uh, uh, with the help of uh, with the offer of neo-nazis it was possible you know it's just not enough uh, I don't believe that uh, they have cap capabilities to do this. And you know, how many times have you seen that United States government would be like, 
no, 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 we have nothing to do with this. It's Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't always tell us about what they have decided to do. I've seen it only twice, uh, in the case of non Nord Stream pipes and in the case of murder of Daria Dugina. Right. There is no other cases like that for the past year when uh, US would be like, no, 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 we have nothing to do with this. It's Ukraine. They don't always tell us what they're going to do. Every step Zelensky make, he has to call. US always tells this. Zelensky calls us before he made this decision. Or we got to talk, like Zelensky got to talk to Biden before he decides or meets with somebody. Right. And then, and then there is a terrorist. This is terrorist acts in both cases, and in both cases they're trying to say yes, this this was Ukraine, and they did not notify us. Yeah, it. It's crazy how that narrative is playing out. I mean, uh, first it was Russia, now it's pro-Ukrainian forces, and it's just all over the place. The truth will come out. Soon you enough. know what's very interesting for me lately is that. Uh, U.S. doesn't want uh, uh, Ukraine to show so-called uh, Russian war crimes because they are concerned about their own war crimes because it will mm -hmm. be a precedent, you know. And we've been talking about it, like uh, the foundation uh, that I'm the head of, we've been talking about it constantly. Like every week I have interview with different guests. I uh, And if it's American guests, I always ask, why do you think until now, U.S. never was responsible for the war crimes uh, it's uh, committed all over the world. And I do have already a judicial answer to it. Don't get me wrong. I know why. And this is why United States is so concerned. <laughs> I know there will be another word of truth uh, against Russia or evidence because uh, they do uh, their work very carefully. And uh, this is why it takes uh, quite a long time. And... Uh, in this case, I think Russia probably shouldn't be worried about it. Russia probably should actually push for it, go for it, because I would uh, gladly watch what's going to happen to United States after finally uh, U.S. war crimes will be out. It's something that uh, Julian Assange stood up for. It's something what Edward Snowden uh, exposed uh, information and was, uh, you know, followed for and ended up living in Russia. And uh, Chelsea Manning and others, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many uh, people who chose the truth and I want them to be rewarded for this. Well, you too, Mira. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like yeah. You're, yeah. you're truly an inspiration after coming back from like this persecution that you faced in the US United States not only surviving it but but thriving in it and using your suffering to to help and protect others and and use that your your platform to speak truth to power i mean it's it's amazing it, and it, it really was a we have to wrap up right now so it was it really was a, like a pleasure talking with you today and and um thank you so much for coming on i'm, I'm finally glad we we got to finally work this out we've we've had, had this podcast scheduled three times already and this is the the third time's a charm <laughs> yes all right free thinkers this episode is nearing its end just a reminder, we've been working extremely hard to bring you some of the most powerful voices in the truth liberty movement. We work tirelessly for you to bring these concepts to the masses and to educate and wake up those who continue to sleep. Please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work we do. 
It's becoming more and more difficult to do this, and we can no longer depend on social media advertisers of big tech monetization. Our support network is you. So help us rebuild this organization by going to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com, and at the top you'll find tabs for our memberships and donations. Also, please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you, Freethinkers. Why don't you uh, tell like all of our listeners, you know, how they could find you, look at your work and, and actually support it. Thank you. Uh, you can find the, the Foundation to Battle Injustice um, on, on our website. Uh, it's fondfbr.ru. I will spell it. It's F as a fox, O as an open, N as a Nancy, D as a dog. F as a fox, B as a box, R as a rabbit, dot, R as a rabbit, U as unity. And uh, click on uh, English flag, American flag, and you would see all, all the information on the website in English. And um, I would like to uh, wish to all our listeners uh, to use more critical mind. Don't believe everything what you hear from the first moment. Please check on the information. So the information will not work against you. And uh, I want to wish everyone hope, faith, love, and of course, peace. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, what's happening in the world will not divide people and actually will unite good people to stay together and fight for the peace, prosperity, mercy and all the best things in this world here, here. <laughs> <laughs> you are awesome mira thank you so much thank you guys thank you, mira. It was such a pleasure.